Hello and welcome to Dream Life Best Fit Role with me, Nikki Smith. I'm a psychologist and a career and business coach. I believe everybody can love their work and I help people to use their natural strengths to transform their work life and love their job. These podcast episodes shine a light on individuals who have created their Dream Life Best Fit Role or business. I focus on how they've played to their natural strengths, those activities that energize and inspire them, and how they've conducted mini experiments to take the fear out of change and generate momentum. So Lisa, let's dive in. I'd love for you to share with us what you do now and who you help, please. Um, My business has done a bit of a pivot in the last 12 months. And so for me, for a long time in the way that I started my business, that was helping real women eat more real food, in the real world. So I had a, a business that helped, that taught people about whole foods. We took a very small steps approach to teaching them that and got brilliant results for, for the thousands of women that we helped over the years. But because of my own personal evolution and also teaching these women and, and watching them try to change habits around food, I got really, really interested in mindset. So uh, I now help women, well, yeah, it is women at this stage, uncover all of the subconscious stories that are keeping them stuck and repeating patterns over and over and over in their life. So I kind of flick the lights on in terms of the fact that our subconscious (laughs) rules the show so much of the time. Um, And when people get clear on that and can create stories that actually serve them and help them create a life that's aligned with their values and and the vision for what they want, then, then everyone's happy. Nikki, it's a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing and a powerful thing. So we're going to talk more about your business evolution today. I'd love to set a bit of context for people. Can you share a bit about where it is now in terms of perhaps how many, how many thousands of women have you helped? How many people have you hired to help you along the way? That kind of thing. Yeah. Well, my communities online, I think there's about 35,000 that follow me on Facebook and over 10,000 on Instagram and the email list, I'm quite sure where it's at right now. It's definitely over 20,000, 25,000 people on those lists. So I help people for free with social media posts, a weekly newsletter and um, podcast. And inside my paid programs, I have created so much stuff over the past few years. And I think that if I had to estimate how many women have have paid to join my programs or community i'd say because it's a total guess it'd be around eight thousand fantastic an estimate or guesstimate is perfect yeah yeah so yeah it was actually a really interesting question to be asked because i i'm sort of i'm not in the data at that real macro level at a yearly sort of level exactly some more on a year-by-year year or month-by-month month basis. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. There are other people who are very interested in the data, day-to-day, week-to-week, and we're not them, are we, Lisa? That is not my, not my job in my business, but I do have someone who absolutely is that because I do think every business needs it. I remember someone saying to me once, your business is data. You have to know the numbers. Like if you don't know the numbers, you're flying blind. And I was like, oh, yeah, I should actually focus in on what works, what doesn't, who bought, like all of those sorts of things. Maybe I've been labeling things failures that actually aren't when you look at the numbers. And that is, in fact, what happened. So, yeah. So bringing other people in is really helpful and we'll be diving into that a bit later. What's the size of your team now, Lisa? Well, it's interesting. This year I actually now have my first employee. 
So the business now employs, I hired her years ago as just a general VA, so virtual assistant, and she's now the COO of the company. And she's a full-time employee, which is super exciting. But I also have a customer service VA. We have people who work in community management for the Facebook communities, events management, have a design team that's outsourced. So we outsource our web design and graphic design and all that stuff and also an ads team so all our social media advertising i think that's about it so that's about six people on the team but then there's lots of other little bits and pieces that happen too and you know when we're running specific programs obviously there's a ramp up in terms of the numbers of people involved i'm shutting down an aspect of the business this year that means that there's a few people from the team who won't be a part of the team anymore and that feels good because you know, the beautiful thing that I've found about running a business is giving, like inviting, and we're a women's only team at this stage, giving them the opportunity to step up and into roles, because very often I hire from within the community, means that they then get exposed to this amazing world of online business. And so many of them are now creating either their own products and or memberships to sell or they're now leaving their jobs their full-time jobs and entering the world of supporting online businesses it's such like it's so exciting to think that you might have helped spark <laughs> a, a total career change for someone as you know absolutely it's a pretty exciting feeling it's one of the best bits, I think, especially yes. being their talent for something when they don't necessarily see it themselves yes, yes. so much. So let's go back in time. Can you think back to the career crossroads where you then did go into mini experiments around an online business? Can you describe what life was like, family life, work life and life life? <laughs> That's when I first got to know you, Nikki. Yes. And it was back in, so I remember I started a little blog in 2012. We'd moved to Brisbane from, from Sydney. I had two kids, so she, I think like four month old and a two year old. And I thought I'd gotten really interested in food. I'd done a little bit of study around food and nutrition. And so I just started sharing some recipes. I was pretty bored. I had no friends. It was a good time to start a blog. I'm your total cliche in that department. And then, and then it was in 2013 that I did a course called B School, which you did as well, which was all about how to actually monetize something that you do online and a friend was doing it and she's like I think you should do this and I looked at it and I almost died like two thousand US dollars what I think by that stage I might have been pregnant with my third child and you know one income living away from all family and friends but there was this part of me that thought you know what I actually really think I could make a go of this so I did that course completed you know two out of the six modules <laughs> and it was when my youngest was born in 2014 that I thought I'm going to either have to go back to work to do I've got literally no idea what I would do or I'm going to have to make a go of this thing I'm going to have to actually pull my finger out get over all of my resistance and insecurities and see if I can make some money so what I did, I can remember, I will never forget sitting on my couch up in Brisbane with Liz, who 
runs an amazing, she is our, our designer, has always done my website designs. She works for Flourish Online. And she said it was, my baby was eight weeks old. So I had, I had, lit, I had three kids, three and under at that time. And she'd started to sleeping through the night. So all my kids did by about eight or nine weeks. Very strange. Don't ask Congratulations. Let's celebrate Look, that. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know what I did to deserve such a thing. Um, but it was, yeah. So, and, and I thought, okay, I'm going to need to do something. And she said, right, well, let's just let, because she was good with all the computery techie stuff. I still had no idea what I was doing with that world. And she's like, well, let's just, to your community, why don't you just say you're going to do a, a whole foods challenge. I was like, yes, that sounds great. I was also having my first glass of wine since I'd fallen pregnant. So I was feeling a little bit loose. And I said, yes, a whole foods challenge. And she said, a 21 day whole foods challenge. And I thought, (laughs) let's do it. That sounds lovely. I reckon people are going to love this. And she said, okay, well, here's the form. People, this is where people give their email address. And I was like, great. Thank you so much for doing that. And she goes, no, you're going to post about it now. And you've got to give a date. When are you going to start it? So it was probably August 2014. And I said, oh, look, it's probably going to be next year because I can't. And she's like, uh, no, let's start in three weeks. And I don't know why I let her say yes, uh, but I did because I also knew myself and I thought I will keep putting this off. And if I actually really want to have a go, I'm just going to have to dive on in. So for me, my first mini experiment was testing to see if anyone would like to do a 21 day whole foods challenge with me. So the outcome of that experiment was, I mean, conjunctivitis, (laughs) (laughs) massive, massive overwhelm um, with my three children and delivering something to people every day for 21 days. Like I was literally creating it on the fly. I included interviews with people. I mean, I did the works. I I totally over-delivered, but we had I'll just stop you for a second. Lisa does have a background in TV production. So if you're hearing about interviews and videos and thinking, what the, that's yeah, definitely drawing on her strengths and experience. But yeah, you went hardcore into that one. It was no light touch mini experiment, was it? it you went in no, hardcore. But I didn't know what I was doing in terms of, I, I thought all I need here is a structure. So I thought each weekday, so I broke up the weeks into breakfast, lunch and dinner. And then on the weekends, we did snacks and desserts. So I felt like I had a structure and I could create content for that. And as you said, yes, I had had, I'm from Melbourne and you know, I'd worked for a, a multimedia production company here in Melbourne. So it had been putting together TV shows or little, you know, interviews for news and bits and pieces like that. So I knew I then just had to sort of pad it out with something or other. <laughs> and what, what I absolutely realized quite quickly was that this could be as complicated as I liked. So back then, there was no advertising that I needed to do. I just promoted, this was when organic content on social media was through the roof. Um, I had brilliant engagement. We had 500 people sign up to this just off the bat. And my community was really small at that time. Um, but it, was, it felt super exciting. And, and what I realized very quickly was that my, my struggles with the tech side of things. So I could write well, I could record videos, no problem. Putting that all together and having it go at the right time, having links working, I mean, it almost did my head in. But I got it done. I just sent it by email. There was nothing fancy about it, but the content was good. And so, you know, the next experiment was selling something off the back of that. 
you know, I realized that I had all these people really excited about their ability to eat better. And so I wanted to give them a course. Uh, I wanted to create a course. I wanted to try, as I said, I'd had that moment where I was like, I've got to kind of have a crack or else I'm going to be going back to work by the time my baby's one. And we launched, I created a program called Small Steps to Whole Foods. I launched that before 2014 ended. It was eight weeks and I delivered it again all via email and, I, and the videos were on Vimeo and I uh, had 550 people sign up to that. And what was going through your head at that point when you had 550 people sign up to this? What was going through your mind? I cried. I cried a lot. I remember when I put it out, I sent an email, I went to bed, I woke up the next morning and there were two PayPal pings. And I went to my husband and I just, it worked. It actually worked. People are signing up. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to be so happy if there's like 30 people. And then others you know, friends online started to share it suddenly, you know, this thing was really, really taking off. And then I, and then I totally flipped out like, oh my God, all these people are paying me for this thing. And I don't, I don't even have it yet. I haven't even created it yet. And I knew it was going to be based on the 21 day challenge, but it had to be bigger and better. And oh, the pressure that I felt that people had parted with their money to learn from me was immense but i also found it massively exhilarating we made 35 grand in that first launch and there was practically no expenses in my business to that point except for my time and i can remember the the final day of you know closing the doors to that and my husband and i <laughs> both crying thinking what does this actually mean for our lives like you really can make money doing this and i was hooked absolutely hooked because to think that you can help people with whatever it is that you know and get paid for it i was like this just feels like a dream come true who knew who knew i could have so much fun and get paid for it while helping people it was it felt like the jackpot oh it's so brilliant at that point did you feel like you had enough evidence i'm going to do this i don't need to go get a job yes Awesome. And, and so did Nick, which was nice. However, that initial peak for a long time was not repeated. So the things were still successful, but what I was finding was it was at that same level of success. So I couldn't kind of, I never got more than 500 people in that program again. And felt like, oh, I just, I don't know why this isn't working. And that's when I started to work with coaches or I started to do programs where it was like, oh, you need to build an email list. Oh, you need new people hearing this message all the time. Right. And so I had my thing and then I needed to learn how to properly market my thing, which, you know, led me down a whole path. So yes, I had evidence. But it wasn't as though then it just went from win to win to win to win. It was, it was a constantly, it felt like a constantly revenue generating machine. But it took me, well, last year, so 2019 was the first year that my business hit seven figures. And in that first 18 months, it did, it did a quarter of a million. So I, f I feel like there was a lot of years there working out how to really properly scale and that felt frustrating at times it was frustrating because we felt like we knew 
this business was the vehicle to have my husband quit his job um, that he didn't really love or us being able to move back to Melbourne where all our family was and it just wasn't getting there. And I think that that's, that's one of the big sort of myths of online business is once you've got something that sells, it's just going to keep selling and, you know, it's just it's a linear kind of approach. I feel like there's absolutely a big messy middle. Yeah, there's a huge learning curve, isn't there? And because we're, we're doing it because we're passionate and impatient, it's exciting and frustrating in uh, equal measure. Yes. So good. So let's dive into, you know, your strengths and how you've leveraged them in your business and what you've outsourced or partnered up with to support you. Can you describe what you think your strengths are? This little juicy exercise, Nikki Smith. <laughs> um, when you gave me that list, it was that was confronting. So I gave Lisa a list of the Gallup Strengths Finder strengths. Now she's chosen from them, but after this podcast, we're actually going to get her to do the assessment, and she'll be feeling a million times better about them. Yep. <laughs> well, I mean, there's lots, and there's lots of things that I'm not good at, and I think part of the growth of my business has been able to go, like, I really, I'm just not good at that, and not try and berate myself because I actually had a long-term vision for this business, because I believed in its success, I knew that there were things very quickly that I wasn't going to be able to bring that a business needs. And so I outsourced very soon. I, I didn't take money from my business because I was paying other people to help me build it. And so yes, impatient, but also actually I think I am quite patient because I was happy for that to happen because I knew that it was going to be something that I'd be able to rely on for my income, but that if I kept on relying on myself to do certain elements, it was just never going to happen. So my strengths, I think, I think I'm futuristic. I think I have, I've got a good way of spotting what's happening for people and filling holes. I think communication, which when that strength was listed, it said effective and efficient. I think I'm an effective communicator. I don't know if I'm efficient. I do ramble a little bit. I think that significance, I'm not too sure if I understood that properly, but I know when I I have the ability to stand up and and be heard and that people do hear. I think adaptability is a strength. There's been a lot of stuff happen in my personal life over the last few years and inside my business, things within a launch or things rolling and they're not quite working the way you want them to. And I have the ability to adapt without necessarily losing my momentum or my belief. And I think definitely positivity. I am definitely a glass half full kind of gal. Well chosen. I don't know if they would be the ones that you chose, we would have chosen for me, but I would uh, have chosen those. I I agree with the positivity. I might've added the developer, given you a top six. Oh, what's developer? So you're saying the potential in others and developing them. Oh yes. I love people. Yeah. That's it. There you go. Top six. Okay. Top six. So then what was the question on the back of that? So with strengths, the holy grail is to focus on them for 60 to 80% of our work week. So the question is, where do you shine and what things do you do in your business and what have you given to other people? That's a great question. And I think that what I got in the habit of doing quite early on was asking what the business needed from me, which I guess is me thinking about how best to bring my strengths to the business. And so I am the front face of the business. I really enjoy marketing 
I really enjoy building community, being in conversation with people. So all the Facebook lives, all the Insta stories, I still do all of my own social media, which definitely in 2021 is something that we're looking to get help with. Because while I can communicate, while people hear me, I can sometimes be a bit dear diary-ish and not have the outcomes of the business front of mind. I can kind of go off tangent and not be as focused. And I also have this thing where once I've said something, I never, I'll never go back and say it again. Whereas sometimes people need to hear things many, many times. <laughs> I might be bored of it, but the business needs me to have someone in there a little bit more strategic. So it also requires me to have time out, to be connecting with interesting people, with interesting ideas. I've always invested in, in masterminds or coaching because I feed off that futuristic part of me who is always thinking about what's coming next, um, what's happening in the world, where are people at. I love having that harnessed. I love speaking to really smart people. And so it's my role in the business to keep myself inspired, to keep myself well. Like literally the business relies on me to be well, happy, evolving. Like my own self-care and development is the business. So I feel like that's what I do most of. I mean, it's up to me to think of the next projects, whether, you know, whether we're on track, like set the vision really for the business and then bring people in to help that vision be realized. Well said. I'm imagining people listening, going, going, awesome. I do a business where I have to do self-development. Awesome. So next up with uh, weaknesses, we want to partner with someone else that has that strength or outsource it or even eliminate the need for us to do tasks associated with that. So do you want to share a bit about what your COO does? So here's the thing about her and uh, where we're kind of at at the end of 2020 as opposed to how it started. So I'm like, you know, a few years ago, a chaotic, visionary, fast moving, I've literally got three children at my feet, throwing all of the ideas together, wanting to do things yesterday. And I had someone there who was just so thrilled to be a part of the team that she was making it happen. But I had actually no idea what that meant in terms of how much she was working and how stressful that was for her because she is the person who will tick things off a list, highly integral. So if she says it's going to happen, it will happen. She dots every I, crosses every T and will just let you know when things are done. And she's got more of a systems brain, hasn't she? And she's, she's 100%. And she sets up the technology system. She's yeah. done all of that. So basically anything that was happening in the business that I wasn't doing, she was doing. So it was like a team of two, really. And it was way too much. And as the business has grown, as our relationship has grown, when now she's had, she's had her second baby this year. And now her role, what we're moving her towards instead of the master of all things is that she really sits. The vision that I have of her role is her sitting and almost pulling strings. So we have people doing the doing and she is the one with the overall understanding of what's going on inside the business, what our deadlines are, what our calendar looks like, who does what, and just making sure that everything's being done, including keeping me on track. She is the puppet string puller. And because there needs to be someone in the business with their eye on all the moving pieces, 
the online business space can be fast paced and there are times when there's a lot happening and then there's a time also when there's less happening and the thing that I love about Mel is during those quieter times she'll just come in and be like this is a, these are the important projects that I need to get moving or that I want to get moving on now that your time is freed up it's time to write this connect with that you know she's helping me ask the big questions about the business she helps keep me on track one of her most important parts of her role is also to say no to me push back uh, when I'm like, oh, I've got the best idea. Oh my gosh, do you know what we should do? I did this literally to her on Monday. I was just at Como House and I saw this little spot and it would be perfect to run some retreats. So maybe before the end of the year, we could do something for people in online business who just want to come together, who want to nail their marketing messages, their products and services, and we can just have a day and I can just take them through things. It'll be easy. And she's like, all right, Lisa, do I need to remind you what needs to get done so that we can have a month's break this year for the first time ever. Do I need to remind you how many weeks until the kids are on school holidays again? Do you want to go in and have a little look at your to-do list and see if you can get this in as well? Love the idea, not this year. And it's like, I need that because I'll just race ahead and overwhelm myself and overwhelm the team. As a solo parent, I can't do that to myself anymore. And as someone who wants to be you know, wants to run a business that people love working in, it's also my job to pull the, put the brakes on. So she's my check and balance. Can we go? Can we park it for later? Or does this idea also just suck and take us way off our, our business vision? So yeah, her role, that part of her role is, it's hard to sort of put it down in a job description that you need someone to do that but it's so valuable to me. Yeah, so it's her strategic thinking strength collaborating with your futuristic strength. So with futuristic, you'll see, you'll have all the ideas, you'll see all the outcomes and go, let's go. And then she's got the strategic thinking strength. So she'll see all the, the different pathways that'll be created if you do all those ideas. And she can see actually all the risks and opportunities in there. And that's why she can put the brakes on you when she needs to. Yeah, and it's been, that's been a process for her to learn how to say no. Because she also just wants me to be happy and thriving and she can see that I love being in the creative zone. So she walks this line of like, mm, but I better give Lisa something fun to do. <laughs> because she knows also, she can see my strengths. She can see when I'm humming, then the best positive messages are going out to our communities and, you know, all of that sort of thing. So, yeah, I, I think having her and now also just knowing that she needs a, someone to work for her. To, so she can be doing less of the doing, you know, less, she knows how to do literally everything inside the business, but I, we don't want her doing everything inside the business. So um, we're actually in the process of hiring an assistant to her, someone who can do the business coordination role. Fantastic. So up next, I thought we could explore some of the top myths of online businesses because this is still either not necessarily new news, but there are lots of people who don't necessarily know what's 100% involved? I think build it and they will come is a myth. Let's talk about that. This is a big one. I, I don't think people realise that selling is a really important and marketing is a massively important part of this. So you can put something out there and people will see it and be like, oh, that's nice. But if you actually don't know how to effectively move them into a purchasing decision, then, then you're literally not going to sell your amazing thing. Like just having a website 
or having social pages or even creating the thing that you think is the best thing in the world and you know it's going to help so many people, that's like step minus 10. It's all important and it's all building. But in order to actually make money, I think that there's a lot of people who get involved in online business and, and, and get a little bit stumped at that point when they're going to have to ask for the sale. So I think that your, your passive, like it's passive income, talks to this. Yeah. That myth that it's passive income. It's like, it's funny, I actually have a visceral reaction when people talk about passive income. It's like, mm. show, show me the model. I have not seen it yet. I haven't seen someone who generates income with no effort, but I have seen a lot of leveraged income models where you're certainly um, generating income and it's at a different scale than trading time and, for, you know, hour for money. Yes. Yeah. And, and there are ways, you know, if... I've launched programs that then I've put on, you know, what's called an evergreen sales system. So you can have an ad inviting people to a webinar that isn't run live and you can sell to them on the back end of that. And that brings in income if people purchase it, but you've still had to build the course. You're still constantly tweaking the marketing around that. You're still serving the people who buy the course once plus, they're in. Plus you've tested it out and you've probably I mean, evolved the course. And you've run you know, that those... webinar like 10 times live. Yes, and those webinars to... can take, you know, 30 hours to, to create. Exactly. Like yeah. there's literally nothing but having people buy things from you without having to have a conversation with them, mm. that's not totally possible. Right now, the focus of our business is, okay, we have this brilliant product. People get fantastic results from it. We would love more people to buy it. We've got to do the same amount of work each launch, no matter how many people end up signing up. So we'd love more people to sign up because we love it's seeing fun. the results that people get. Yeah. And also that allows me to build profitability into my business, which gives us security, allows me to hire more people. As a solo parent, uh, my husband passed away. Of course, I want to be having a secure income stream. I want to be giving away that money to do some other really cool things, projects that I'm passionate about in the world. And it gives me choice and flexibility like I didn't come into I, I never had the intention of building a business where I had to work crazy hours I actually decided to do my own business because I wanted to pick my kids up and drop them off from school every day because I, I didn't want them in before school care and after school care now I've got the the flexibility now to do that if I want to or if I don't want to so it was never about trying to pile things on and make work my life it was meant for something else and so just knowing that you can create something and you know during covid I, I had three hours a day to work i live in melbourne i have my three primary age kids with me we were lucky enough to be able to have someone come and help out with the kids with their home learning from 9 till 12 monday to friday those three hours a day were my work days and the business has grown this year so don't think that we have to spend all all our time like as long as we're effectively using our time in our business, anything's possible in that online realm because I don't do that one-on-one -on -one style of work, you know, but none of it's passive. I have to be actively involved in my business. Absolutely. Yes. Leveraged people, leveraged Leverage. models. 
leveraged. I come across this a lot about when people consider whether, I mean, whether it's online or in person, providing some kind of knowledge or service, people often think they have to be an expert. What do you have to say about that? <laughs> oh, my God, yes. <laughs> I can, well, because I was talking to people about food and back in the day when I launched Small Steps, it was, you know, the people out there, Michelle Bridges was really big, her program, Sarah Wilson, uh, Lola Berry, people. And I kept on thinking, like, why would anyone buy from little old Lisa. Like, honestly, what do I actually really know? I circumvented that by interviewing experts in my program. Like I actually just made myself the conduit and was like, hey, I've pulled together this really awesome information from these really awesome people who actually know their stuff. And in doing that, I ended up positioning myself as the person or as the expert who could bring together the right amount of material in the right way that helped people change their food habits. With the mindset stuff or like with all the subconscious stuff, there's part of me that's like, I mean, I've never studied psychology. Who am I to be saying this? Like I always make it very, very clear to people that I absolutely have no qualifications in psychology. That's why your testimonial means so much, Nikki Smith. And I have, so, I have psychologists join my program like, oh, God. Thank you. Like, I know this stuff, but I needed to hear it this way or I needed to just, you know, be reminded of some of these things. But because I'm always quite honest, I was, I always used to say I'm not a naturopath. I'm not a dietitian. I'm a mum who's trying to feed her family real food. That was actually really appealing to people. And right now I think, you know, people hear my story, you know, the events of, of my life and they've watched me online and they hear themselves in terms of the struggles or the, the limitations that I had on myself that I've had to work through and they hear themselves in that. And so they just, they, they're looking for the next step. I don't have to have a degree in order to be able to teach people information, like take what I've learned and put it together in a packaged way that gives them a result. And, and I think so many times, I think absolutely right now, what people are looking for more and more as they filter through all of the noise is authentic stories, real people and their own results. I think they're less concerned with, with whether someone's got numbers or letters at the end of their name versus, you know, whether they feel like they've got a connection with that person and trust that person and what they've been teaching has gotten results for people just like them. Yeah, I love that. And so it comes down to, can you solve a problem for someone? And can you do it in a high integrity way and be honest about who you are and, and where you come from? So yeah, I agree with that 100%. And I just think we're, we're sceptical sometimes also. I think it's why it's so important for us all to be kind of removing the masks and speaking to people like they're real people and like you're one. I think silver bullets people are starting to kind of know that they don't really work and I think that that's also the role of, of people like us online is to just pull down the facade I don't know if you feel this too but I feel big sort of shifting towards real radical authenticity sharing thing when things haven't worked for you <laughs> bringing that honesty that vulnerability I think it's giving people hope for themselves when we do that well, it is because I, it's interesting. We tend to, yeah, we tend to just see people through rose-coloured glasses. And so when we hear the true stories, we know that there are layers and complications and, and things going on. And 
um, it does help us to connect. Yeah, you know, Brené yeah. Brown's been telling us this for a while now. Oh, yeah. just listen to Brené. I mean, she just knows all the things. <laughs> so with the top three myths of online businesses, we've got one more. People ask me, like, how quickly? Will it happen overnight? <laughs> And this is really hard for me because my initial launch had 550 people and made 35 grand. But hang on a second, before that, how long, for how long were you posting recipes and building a community? Let's say two and a half years. So yeah. Yeah. And this is the thing. um, I think I... I know I've heard it from a lot of other coaches or, or people that we know. They kind of have people say, but it happened to Lisa caught up. I've heard her story. And they're like, well, but did you see her posting to Facebook, you know, two or three times a day the year before that or commit to a $2,000 US online program before she'd earn any money at all to just learn and to just be around other entrepreneurs and start to absorb herself into that community so you know I think the other thing too you started before you felt ready as well and you showed up and so there's all those pieces of the puzzle as well and I think consistency people want to know that you're going to stick around that you're legit that this is what you do they're going to look for proof like we all look for proof that a restaurant is good like we're looking at the reviews we want to know that this place isn't going to waste our time So people are going to go back and they're going to see, like, how often are you posting? Who are you online? Like, they'll go through, I I do it all the time. Have these people got some videos? I need to see and hear them. Uh, I need to watch them. I need to know if I'm going to vibe with them before I'll even give them a follow. So any little micro actions that you can take to give people that assurance in you, like, that's got to start before you put something out there. And, and And that does take time. And you might have one or two people buy the first thing that you put out there, but how brilliant that you've just proved that people will buy your thing. That's a win. And I think that so many people give up because it's not as fast as what they think it's going to be. But just like with anything, it's, it's actually a whole new world of learning how to do business. And there's lots of lots of moving parts. So as you're learning and growing, keep offering things, keep trying. Back in Pro Blogger, back in, oh gosh, 2016, maybe it was, or 2015, oh, I can't remember. I did my, a talk there about taking imperfect action and I know you're big on that too. But it was just like, stop expecting it to be awesome off the bat or stop expecting everything you go out to be perfect. You will literally not be able to get in momentum if you you're stuck in your perfection story and if you give up if the first thing that you do doesn't work as well as you hoped like play the long game absolutely because after all everything's a mini experiment and you're looking for learnings and looking for evidence as to what you want to do more of and less of so yeah if you stop yeah if you stop early on you're missing the gold Exactly. And I remember James Wedmore, one of my mentors over the years said, you're either getting the results that you want, or you're learning the lessons to get to the results that you want. And that's always so comforting to me when things aren't working out well. It's like, well, what are the lessons here? What do I need to learn? Okay, cool. I've learned it. How I'm, I'm way further ahead than if I hadn't put it out there and had a crack. Yeah, it's that's yeah, very well well said. And also I think what I do is I often look back and think, I couldn't have really shortcut any of the lessons that I learned over the last six years. I had to go through them all. Yes, you can't skip steps. 
you can't skip steps. (laughs) (laughs) Is there any other question you get asked a lot that you want to talk about and then you never have to answer it again? You can just direct (laughs) people to this podcast. People always ask me where I buy my clothes. So that's, (laughs) that started to happen. That was very strange. Where do you buy your clothes, Lisa? (laughs) It's so weird and embarrassing. But I think the thing that I get asked the most, like legitimately, is how how I do it. So people sort of look at me and they're like, how is she? Is she okay? Or how is she actually doing this? How does she get that much done? And so I'm just always sharing with people, like, I don't do it all. I do not try and do it all. I don't have particularly high standards in lots of areas. I'm way more interested in things that matter. So for example, I think becoming a solo parent helped put a lot of things in focus for me. And uh, I remember I was just like straight off the bat, hired a cleaner. And then I was realizing that I'd spend the day before the cleaner just running around like a mad woman and trying to get the kids to do stuff. And so because I really believe in taking radical responsibility for my life, for the things that I complain about, for the things that are working, for the things that aren't, I was like, well, if I don't want to be running around like a mad woman, what do I need to do? And I, I hired a housekeeper to come in that day before to do all of the tidying. And she, she, like, she tidies my drawers. She cleans up my pantry. She just does all this amazing stuff. Literally three hours a week changed my life. And I'm always thinking about that. I'm always thinking about, well, is there something that's draining my energy here in my business and in my personal life? And if I'm going to be responsible for living a balanced life, I mean, balance is such a crazy word, but a life that feels really fulfilling to me, that gives me space. I mean, connection with myself and connection with my children are the two most important things in my life. And for our mental and emotional well-being, I'll pay other people to do things so that I don't have to stress and panic about it. A beautiful example of that is that I just just paid for a trip to go to Tasmania. Now, I was getting so overwhelmed with looking for the right accommodation, the dates that also were like, we're going across on the spirit of Tasmania. I'm wanting to be in two different places, not sure how long to spend in each, like what is there to do? So I last year also hired a a personal assistant. So someone who I can say, hey, these are the Christmas gifts. Can you please grab them? Or I need some stuff for the presents box at home for the kids' birthday parties or, you know, that they get invited to or whatever. Or my car needs to be booked in for something. And I need help organising this holiday because this is just taking up too much of my time and now I'm getting stressed about it. So I I try to find people and I, I am willing to pay for it for my peace of mind and for me to stay connected to myself, to keep myself well, healthy and able to offer my time and energy also to my children. So, you know, when I'm asked how do I do it all, I just keep telling people I don't, I don't even try. I'm not interested in being a martyr, superhuman robot who never sleeps. That's not how I want to move through my life. I get help. I get help with lots of different things and that's why it looks like I might be productive or it might be, might look like I'm chill because that's, that's a vibe I'm going for. Yeah, exactly. And a few tips there because that's one of the key things I help my clients with is to start outsourcing things. Now, A, it doesn't have to cost a lot of money. 
B, you get so much more back than the hours that you're getting someone to do something. So the two yes. hours cleaning we get a fortnight gives me 10 hours guilt-free a week. So just think mm. about that. And finally, if you're thinking, well, I don't have the spare cash, what I did when I first started my business was to um, trade time. So I'd find a graphic designer who wanted a bit of coaching and I'd get some graphics mm. and she'd get some coaching. Mm-hmm. So please don't think just because Lisa's built up this incredible business that only she can do this, you can do it too. But also when I moved to Brisbane and I was just doing the blog, because housework is such a drain on my, it's just not, I'm just not a housekeeping type person. I started selling thermomixes. And all I thought was, if I just have the money to be able to put the kids into family daycare twice a week and pay for a cleaner once a fortnight, then pretty much that's all my needs taken care of. Yeah, perfect. (laughs) And I was always interested in what would make my life better? How can I make the money in order to be able to have that? It wasn't going to come through any excess cash we had at the time because we didn't have any excess cash. So I started selling a kitchen appliance. It was great. Yeah, it's great to hear the evolution of that for your life as well. So, Lisa, it's been fantastic to dive into these topics with you today. Where can people find you and find out more about Ready for Change and Live for Change? Well, they can go to lisacorduff.com. I'm basically my own name everywhere. (laughs) So on um, Instagram and Facebook as well. And my website is is lisacorduff.com. And I think we'll be sharing with with your community a cool presentation that I did, which was all about how overthinking is ruining your business. And it's really just designed to help people get out of their heads and some really easy tips on on how to do that and introduces them to the idea of stories and all, all of that sort of thing. So I have a lot of fun on my Insta stories, sharing a lot of behind the scenes stuff. And I've also got a podcast called Conversations with Lisa, which because of COVID and because, you know, not overwhelming myself is a key priority. We took a little bit of a break from while I had my children at home for seven months. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but we'll be getting that up and running again in 2021. So I highly recommend connecting with Lisa and, and all of those options. Fantastic. Lisa, I'll talk again soon. Thanks so Thank much. You. Thank you for having me, Nikki. You're welcome. Bye for now. Thanks for listening. If you want to hear more stories like this one, please subscribe and spread the word. Till next time.